I'm Jen Taylor Skinner, and this is The Electorate. Earlier this year, President Biden announced the relaunch of the Bo Biden Cancer Moonshot Initiative. The initiative was named for Biden's eldest son, who died of brain cancer in 2015. It's one that Biden led during his last year as vice president under the Obama administration. And it's an ambitious project. One of Biden's stated aims is to reduce the cancer death rate by at least 50% over the next 25 years. And in Biden's own words, if this initiative is successful, it could, quote, end cancer as we know it today. Earlier this month, the Senate passed funding for the Cancer Moonshot Initiative. And in today's episode, my guest is Laura Packard. Laura is a healthcare activist, a cancer survivor, and the executive director of Healthcare Voter. And that's an organization that holds elected officials accountable for their votes on healthcare. Laura and I discuss the history of the Cancer Moonshot Initiative and how exactly it will accomplish those ambitious goals laid out by the president. The Cancer Moonshot Initiative would be a game changer. So please enjoy my conversation with Laura Packard. Laura Packard, welcome. <laughs> Thanks for having me. So I want to start with a little bit of history about the Cancer Moonshot Initiative. Mm -hmm. This may feel like a, a lifetime ago for a lot of people, but during President Obama's final year in office, I think it was during his final State of the Union address in January of 2016, you know, he asked then Vice President Biden to head up this new mission, this new initiative to end cancer as we know it, right? Mm -hmm. And it, again, it feels like a lifetime ago. And it was about five to six months following that, that there was a summit held at Howard University in D.C., where over 35 new initiatives around, you know, cancer research were announced. And the summit was attended by cancer researchers mm -hmm. and experts and academics, right? So, I mean, they were making some really good progress. Mm -hmm. So in November, of course, we know what happened. What happened to the Cancer Moonshot Initiative after Trump was in office? Well, the money, I think, uh, came from the 21st Century Cures Bill. And so that was still spent. So they funded the research that they wanted to fund, and it produced a bunch of publications and patents and clinical trials. The original goal was to double the research, uh, you know, do 10 years worth of research in five years. And it's a little difficult to track against that goal because what does that mean? How much research would there have been? So a bunch of research was funded and was completed, but the goal was a little fuzzy. But for this relaunch of the Cancer Moonshot Initiative, this time around, the goal is to decrease cancer deaths by at least half in the next 25 years. So this is a more concrete goal, even though it's a longer time frame, 25 years. I think it's a more realistic goal that in the past, President Nixon in 1971 said he was going to cure cancer in five years. It, it's hard to do that because because cancer isn't just one disease, it's many, many, many diseases. And even something like lung cancer, there's different types and so on. So it's a complicated thing. And I believe it's possible to decrease cancer deaths by half, but that's a more realistic goal than the idea of we'll cure cancer in five years or something like that. Right. So do we have any way of quantifying whether there was a hindrance due to you know Trump being in office? It doesn't sound like there is a good way to quantify mm -hmm. whether we've lost time or whether it's on track or... Yeah. Well, I mean, the money was allocated and spent. So I think that a lot of the Trump sabotage happened in ways that are more obvious, pressing people against vaccines and masks and so on and prolonging this pandemic. 
I think that the scientists in the background kept doing their science. Yeah, that's a very good point. So was there a difference between that initial mission and the current moonshot mission? As I mentioned, the goal, the focus this time around is to decrease cancer deaths by at least 50% in the next 25 years. So it's a different goal. And this time around, the money has not been allocated yet. So I know that Congresswoman uh, Diana DeGette, she's my congresswoman here in Denver, uh, she's working on 21st Century Cures Bill, the, the next one. So there's a lot of discussion about the funding piece, including maybe setting up a new agency, ARPA-H, for healthcare funding. But right now, this initiative has been launched, but there isn't new funding. Right. Sorry, I'm being a little repetitive there. <laughs> um, but I just want to remind people that, you know, this was and is very personal for President Biden. I mean, if you'll remember his son, Bo, Bo mm -hmm. Biden died of brain cancer, you know, in 2015, and he was only 46. So this is very, very personal for him. So do you know, can you give us some of the details that are in this current moonshot? Like, what are some of the things or some of the approaches they're taking to reach that 25-year, 50% reduction goal? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, one of the things that they're doing now is a call to action on cancer screening. And that's so important because, yes, we need more research. We need to be able to uh, treat and cure advanced forms, uh, metastatic forms of cancer. And there are various types of cancer that are, are harder to treat. So, yes, we need more research. But also, we need to make sure that people have access to the research that we have today. And we need to make sure that everyone has access to good health care, that they can get tested and diagnosed early so that they can be looking at cures rather than treatments. So there's so much that we have not yet done that we already have the tools today. We just need to do them. And I'm especially concerned with this pandemic that people have been putting off regular cancer screenings. So uh, people have not been getting uh, their mammograms, their prostate checks, their colonoscopies and so on because the pandemic made medical settings dangerous, understandably. But what that means is that when people go back and get those screenings, their cancer will be in a more advanced stages and it will be harder to treat. Right. I'm glad you brought up the pandemic because that's been a big issue. Even my doctor has been pushing me to come in for checkups because our inclination is to not do that because we're not sure if they're safe. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. there's one time I went in for a checkup and the waiting room was full, right? Mm -hmm. You don't know if there's people are there because they have COVID symptoms or why they're there. And so I, I know that a big part of this mission is to increase access to or push rather mm -hmm. people to have early screenings. Absolutely. And also we see in diagnoses and treatments that low income people and people of color, you know, don't get access to the same kind of early prevention and, and catching things early enough for treatment. And again, that goes back to our healthcare system, which needs a lot of work. And one of the things that Congress is working on, Build Back Better or whatever the social spending bill is called when it goes through, part of that bill would expand Medicaid to working class Americans in states like Florida, Texas, Georgia, North Carolina, that because they did not expand Medicaid, that's over 2 million Americans that can't afford health insurance because they make too little money to get Affordable Care Act plans, but too much money to get Medicaid. So these are the essential workers you see in the grocery store and delivery people and so on that 
are priced out of healthcare right now. And so if you can't afford basic screenings and treatments, then your prognosis, your outlook is so much worse. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up because you became an activist, you know, initially after your own cancer diagnosis, right? And you Mm -hmm. credited the ACA with saving your life, right? And so I'm just curious as to, you know, where we are with that, right? We're talking about a lot of things, you know, administration is rightfully, you know, kind of focused right now on COVID and reducing COVID deaths and, you know, Mm -hmm. and some other things, you know, voting rights or so many things are on their plate. We aren't really talking about healthcare, I think, publicly in the public debate space as much as we should. Where are we and what does ACA need to look like to match the goals of this moonshot cancer mission? Mm -hmm. Well, I mentioned one piece of this reconciliation bill, which is expanding Medicaid uh, in the 12 states that, that haven't done it. Another piece is making Affordable Care Act plans more affordable. Last year in the American Rescue Plan, there were some subsidies so that millions more Americans could afford ACA plans, which can be quite expensive depending on how much money you make. So that money, those discounts expire at the end of this year. So it's so important to extend those so that, again, millions of Americans don't lose their health care at the end of the year. So that's another piece in this bill. And yet another piece is lowering the cost of prescription drugs, allowing Medicare to negotiate for lower cost drugs, and also capping uh, insulin, for example, for people with insurance at $35 a month. So all of this great research that the Cancer Moonshot can um, help encourage, help expand, at the end of the day, if these drugs are invented but nobody can afford them, that's a problem too. Right. That's very important. And, you know, so that that brings my point to midterms, right, which are happening mm-hmm. you know, this year in November. If we don't make advances in the Senate, a lot of things like bills like this will be stuck in the Senate. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, there's a relation there in terms of getting turnout for Democrats in the Senate. Absolutely. And it's important to pay attention to how your elected officials vote and not only your senators and your Congress people and your governors, but pay attention to your state legislators, your state representative, your state senator, because in those 12 states that didn't expand Medicaid, it's your local state reps in Florida, in North Carolina, in Georgia, in Texas. They are voting for you not to have health care. And so you need to hold them accountable. So I want to go back to the, the scientific advances for cancer in this, you know, cancer moonshot mission. You know, one of the advances we've made over the past decade or so, or longer than that, actually, have been cancer vaccines. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious as to how that will look in the near future, given that, that there's so much vaccine misinformation out there right now around COVID. You know, will people mm-hmm. stop possibly trusting these cancer vaccines? Well, that's that's a frightening thing that this pandemic has been politicized because uh, people wanted political gain out of it. And so spreading mistrust on vaccines, it's already shown with polling that it's spilling over to all vaccines. And if you distrust in a measles vaccine or a mumps vaccine or whatever, we're just encouraging these diseases to spread. And we do have a cancer vaccine today, the HPV vaccine, which can uh, prevent up to seven different kinds of cancer. Already, it was politicized years ago because HPV can be spread through uh, sexual contact. 
So it was stigmatized and it was spreading the idea that your kids shouldn't get it. But stigmatizing a particular vaccine is letting cancer win. I mean, everyone should want to protect their kids against cancer. So that's why it's so important when basic science is politicized and then people suffer and die because of it. Right. So there are two different levels where politics can hinder this moonshot goal, right? You know, Mm -hmm. hesitation around vaccinations. The HPV vaccine is a very good example. And then also whether your state and the representatives in your state will support expansion of Medicare or Medicaid and the ACA, Mm -hmm. right? Are there other ways Mm -hmm. within the moonshot initiative that state level politics can hinder this goal? Well, it isn't necessarily through the moonshot, but in general, if you elect anti-healthcare legislators, they are less likely to fund public health initiatives of all kinds and basic public health education in the schools and beyond. And that has repercussions. You see more unhealthy states when people don't have basic education on how to keep themselves healthy uh, from evidence-based sex ed to just all kinds of basic health knowledge that people may take for granted that they got in school that other people have no access to. And I think that it's important that everyone have access to not only research, but basic education to keep themselves and their family members healthy. You know, I think one of the worst things that people can do in relation to their personal health is to do nothing, right? And we're kind of in this waiting period where things have improved some, right? Cancer research has been an improvement. And of course, the ACA was an improvement. And once the Cancer Moonshot Initiative is underway, we're going to see some big improvements. But what can people do right now, right? What's the best course of action, in your opinion, for people to take in this period of transition? It's important to uh, get up to date on your basic health screenings, even though we've been through a pandemic. So Go back out there, see your doctor, get checked out uh, for most forms of insurance that a basic checkup is free. Also, I have a weekly call-in show at 4.30 Eastern on Mondays on ActTV, where we have experts answer your healthcare and health insurance questions. It's called Care Talk. So if people want to learn more about our healthcare system and get their basic questions answered, they should watch Care Talk on Mondays on ActTV. Excellent. You know, actually, speaking of education, you reminded me of something. Again, this isn't new territory for the Bidens because First Lady Jill Biden, she's been an advocate for cancer education and and prevention, you know, back Mm -hmm. in the 90s. I think it was around 1993. You know, one of her friends was diagnosed with breast cancer. And then following that, you know, she launched this Biden Breast Health Initiative to educate people in Delaware, right? Mm -hmm. Especially high school girls around the importance of cancer prevention. And I'm assuming that, the, you know, the Cancer Moonshot mission, education is a huge part of that. Absolutely. Because I think that people may not be aware that there are so many different treatments out there. Cancer diagnosis used to be a death sentence. But even today, many people, including myself, we survive it. There are people living with cancer as more of a chronic type disease. And there are people that are fighting cancer. And there are people that are in remission and or are cured. So... Cancer diagnosis is never good news, but it's better to know than not know because then you can develop a treatment plan with your doctor and there is a lot of hope. Do you happen to have numbers offhand as to the survival rate in comparison to, you know, a decade ago or maybe like 20 years ago? 
Well, each type of cancer is different, but according to the White House, over the first 20 years of this century, the age-adjusted death rate for cancer has fallen about a, about 25%, and more people are living with cancer and living in remission than ever before. Right. So think about that in the context of the pandemic, and if you have a child, a pandemic baby, born during the pandemic, if this is successful, if the goal moves in the direction and at the speed that they've planned, before your child turns 30, they'll have a significantly less likely to die of cancer than, you know, someone in your own generation. And I think that that's amazing. Mm -hmm. And this is forward progress that we've been making for years. In fact, when I was on the road a few years ago uh, during the fights to save the Affordable Care Act, I met uh, Sister Simone. She was leading the nuns on the bus and her sister died of this cancer, the same type of cancer that I survived with. And uh, I believe her sister was a part of clinical trials. So there are people today, including myself, that are here today because of the research that has been done in the decades in the past. Wow. Well, speaking of survivors and yourself, how would you grade you know, what you've seen of the Cancer Moonshot mission, this current go-round, and what they've planned? Like, How would you grade it? Well, I agree with the goal, which is a hard goal, but achievable of reducing the death rate by at least half, but we won't get there unless we uh, get the funding. So uh, we'll see how Congress does its part in the next year or two to get this funded and also that we continue to shore up uh, the broken parts of our healthcare system so that more people get access to the care and treatment that they need. Right. I mean, we just keep coming around to, I think, elections, right, this November. I mean, mm -hmm. that's the key to shoring up healthcare and shoring up, you know, basically having better futures in healthcare and, and, mm -hmm. and cancer. Well, Laura Packard, thank you so much for all of your, your activism, your advocacy, and thank you for joining me today to walk through the, the Cancer Moonshot mission. Thank you. 